Praise the Lord. This is a Thursday night of a five-night meeting, which means people start to get tired. I'm just talking about the law of physics. Now, one of the things uh, years ago, back 1997, wow, it's a long time ago, uh, we had a guest minister come into our church for a three-day meeting. Uh, Janie Grind was her name. And the Spirit of God fell, and we ended up with the service every night for 15 weeks. And you want to talk about tired. It was, it was really tired. So I'm just, I'm just letting you in on a ministry secret. Hmm? It was incredible. You got tired. You got tired. And as soon as you got into the presence of the Lord, He energizes you. You, you press through and you get into the presence of the Lord. He will energize you. Now, here's the ministry secret. If you're still tired, you have Bob Hawk pray for you sometime during worship. And when you're slain in the spirit, fall comfortably. It works for you. No, you're the one that, no, not you. No, not you. Isn't it good to be, be free and rejoice in the presence of the Lord? I, we're so glad you're with us. We're so blessed to see what God's doing. God's got a lot more he's going to download on us. Let's stand up and lift our hands up and worship the Lord Jesus. Draw nigh to me, he said, and I will draw nigh to you. Hallelujah. I have a scripture for you. Don't grow weary in doing well. You think it's a good thing to praise God? That's doing well, right? So we aren't going to grow weary. Hallelujah. Let's press in. Let's have a great time tonight. What do you say? Let's rejoice and worship. Wow. every name and every knee one day is going to bow to that name every tongue's going to confess to that name that Jesus that we're lifting up in this house because he promised you and me when he would be lifted up that he would draw all men I want to encourage you I'm going to ask the worship team to go back into this song during this offering As far as I understand the Word of God, and I'm not a rocket scientist, if any of you know me, you will know better than that. But I know that name is above every name. I know that faith in that name will bring wholeness to mankind. I know that when we lay hands on the sick in that name, they shall recover. I know that that name is still far above every name that is named. You all know that, is that right? Well, <clears throat> when I was praying, the Lord said there's debt that many, many are carrying 
and they're not using my name properly and seeing that debt as their enemy. He'd ask me to encourage you and to agree for the supernatural power of God to come upon your finances, to come upon your bank account, to come upon your businesses, your ministries, to come upon your households. The supernatural move of what I believe is the angelic assistance that God has given you and me, that they would come and they would minister on our behalf and minister for us. That there's divine connections that need to be made in your life There's resources that need to get to you, that belong to you. There's a harvest with your name on it, and you've got to bring it in. And today, we're going to agree with each and every one in this household as they join their faith in the name of Jesus. That your faith and my faith is in that name, in the power of that name, knowing that the resurrection power is able to raise you up into a place of listening to the Holy Ghost, listening to that still small voice, listening for the instructions that He's going to give you to bring you out of that debt, to bring debt cancellation to you, to bring you into a promotion of business, if that's where your heart is, to bring you into a place of divine connections in which many of us all need those divine connections because it just takes one connection to bring you into that secret place where you belong. And I believe that's place where you owe no man nothing but to love him. Can you agree with me? If you need an envelope for your offering today, I want you to slip up your hands. You understand this is good ground. I wouldn't stand here and encourage you if I didn't believe that. I've been connected to this ministry probably longer than some of you have been alive. And God has never failed me. He's never forsaken me. He's delivered. I I almost be embarrassed to tell you how many times He's had to deliver me out of my own messes. I know none of you guys have ever made messes financially. But I've made a blunder of them. And He's brought me out because why? I understand the, the principles of seed time and harvest. I understand the understanding of when I put my my finances in to a ministry thing in good ground. And I'm here to tell you, this is some of the best ground I'm aware of. And because of that, I expect that 30, 60, and 100 fold. I expect when I give, it's given back unto me, good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over. God's going to cause men to give in to my bosom so I can do my assignments in life. I don't know about you, but I believe this stuff. I don't know about you, but I know that when I give, and I don't give grudgingly, my brother and sister, and you all know me, at least some of you do, I don't give because the pastor twists my arm. I give because why I listen to that still small voice of the leadership of the Holy Spirit because those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And when I hear the voice of the Lord, I want to be quick to obey because I want a quick harvest because we don't have much time left. And if I don't live to see it, I know most of you will. Because after 120, I'm out of here. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, 
You ask Him, what is that that He would have you to do tonight? We're not twisting your arm. We're not begging you. You understand the principles of that. You are people of faith. You're people of the Word. You're people of the Spirit. And we all hear Him. And it's when we're willing and obedient, He promised you and me we'd eat the good of the land. Well, I guarantee you the harvest is at hand. I guarantee you there's ministering spirits sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation. I guarantee you that God wants you out of debt more than you understand how bad He wants you out of debt. I guarantee you He wants to bring you into a place where nothing is controlling you but the Holy Spirit is controlling you and you're being led by Him in every aspect of life, whether that's in your relationships and your marriages and raising your children and running your businesses and running your ministries, whatever it might be, God wants to direct you by His Spirit in this day and this hour because why? He's absolutely head over heels in love with you. He thinks the best of you and He's got some great and awesome plans for each and every one of you. And can you agree with me? So are you willing, when we release our faith, to speak that name? And the worship team's going to take us back into that song. And we're going to sing that name of Jesus Christ that is above every name. We're going to break everything that is holding back your supply, holding back your wealth, holding back the witty ideas, holding back the, 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 what I believe is the supernatural to bring you into a place of debt freedom, to bring you into a place where you all, all of a sudden, you just know exactly what you do, how to do it, and glory to God, He's a good God. I was sharing with Terry yesterday or maybe it was this morning. I was a businessman for a lot of years, and I had to finance the business when I sold it to the man that bought it. And after about a year and a half in it, he, he wasn't doing as good as I was doing. The economy kind of went south in that part of northwestern Pennsylvania. The steel mills pulled out, and he was having a hard time. I was, at that time, I was hanging out with a guy by the name of Norval Hayes quite often, by tape, because <laughs> I didn't have the time to go to be with him. I just brought him to my house. And I stayed plugged in, and there were some secrets that he taught me, and one of them was to be persistent and don't settle for what you know isn't God. He taught me some things of learning how to pray in the Spirit and tap in to the directions of the Holy Spirit and then not being, I believe the word stupid was used today. I guess I'm allowed to use that too, brother. <laughs> and not to be stupid, okay? And I know there's nobody stupid in here, glory to God. Aren't you glad you have the mind of Christ? Well, I told my wife, I says, uh, I hate to tell you all this, but I will. I told my wife, I says, I'm not coming out. We had a, a restroom that was my office. Can you believe that? And it was a pretty good-sized room in, in, in the house that we were at at that time. So I knew I didn't have to leave for no reason. 
because I, why? I brought a coffee pot in there. If you know me, I had to have my coffee pot. I had to have the facilities that I needed when I drank coffee. And I said, I'm not coming out. I don't want you bothering me. I mean, unless it's an emergency. And my children were little at that time. And I went into there like, if I'm here for two weeks, that's okay. I'm here. Because I'm not moving until I hear from the Lord. Well, I set my faith on that, and, you know, I did what I knew to do, and I started praying in the Spirit. Now, my fear was, I'm going to end up with this business, and it's not where it used to be, and I'm going to have to rebirth it, and I didn't want to because I was headed in another direction. So I pressed in. Pray with me. Pray with me. I want to help you. I'm here to help you, my brother and sister. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your wisdom, your direction. Thank you, Lord, for words that come from heaven, the heart of my Father, that penetrate my heart, that my eyes and my understanding is enlightened. Thank you, Lord, that I know exactly what to do. Thank you, Lord, I'm your child. I hear your voice, and I will follow your directions. I'd like to say that's all the longer it took. It took a couple days to get through this one at that time. Thank God it don't take that long anymore. And he spoke to me. I called the proprietor of that business, and I said, Gary, the Lord told me to tell you this. And I told him within two days, I was debt free. I was able to pay off my debtors because I was still in debt with the business and I had enough to go on for the next two years so that I could finish what I was endeavoring to do and that was to become a minister. Not that I wasn't already in ministry, but I needed an oath more. I needed I needed to fill up more. But in that time, I don't know who this is for, but I know it's for some of you. In that time, he spoke to me, and it was so simple. I thought, how could I be so stupid and not have seen it? But it was like I was blinded. It was so simple. The instructions that he gave me, when I give them to my friend, I mean, God moves supernaturally. See, I believe in debt cancellation. I'd like to say that's the only time that's happened to me, but that was the first time. And since then, I know how to get myself out of messes when I end up getting in them. And some of you have gotten yourself into some messes. Oh, he's gone to meddling now. Did you get your envelope? If you're making out checks here today, Armada is sufficient. And I'm here to encourage you. Because you, why, God because I'm going to obey Him, and I'm obeying Him right now. Because why? God wants you out of debt. He wants you set free. He wants you raised to another level financially. He wants you to see that you are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. He wants you to see that debt is an enemy. 
You understand me? It's, it's an enemy. It's not a friend. And God wants you free of it. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this great body of believers that you've gathered here together this evening. I thank you for the opportunity to be such a part and a, a connection with Armada, with Apostle Dale, his family, the ministry here and the ministers here. Lord, I want to thank you for allowing me to be a member here, to be a, be a partaker of the grace, God, that rests upon this ministry. I am so grateful to you and I thank you for it. So Father, I join with my friends here. I join with your people here in the name of Jesus. I agree in the name of Jesus Christ for the wisdom to come to them, the understanding to, to obey, that, that their eyes will be enlightened, that they will see, they will hear the details, they will know exactly what to do from this night forward. We thank you for the supernatural assistance of the Holy Spirit upon this seed and upon their heart's desire to be debt-free, for new businesses to rise up, for things that they've been dreaming of to become real and tangible to their lives, for their heart's desire to become so real and tangible to them that they'll see it by faith so they can experience in reality in the name of Jesus. I bless you for this family. And Father, we speak the name of Jesus Christ over debt, over debt, over each life here. We come against that evil devil in the name of Jesus Christ and we break the power of debt over their lives, over their bank accounts, over their homes. We speak debt cancellation over their mortgages, over their ministries, over their businesses, over everything that they're connected to. We thank you for an absolute turnaround that they will prosper beyond their wildest belief, that they will see the supernatural move in their lives in Jesus' name that you will give them and take them into the dream in, into the word of the Lord to a place of intimacy where they'll be able to work with you not against you and Lord God that your power will work and cause them to come out of debt in the name of Jesus I want to instruct you folks because you wouldn't be up here if my dear brother didn't believe in you and didn't know that you had faith to stand in front of this great congregation. So I'm asking you to join me and John and this great team here to believe God that there will be no debt in this house or in any house that's represented here. That God supernaturally is going to move on their behalf. That the supernatural power of the angelic hosts that are sent to help and assist them will be put forth in the name of Jesus by the word of the Lord. That wisdom will impact them. That they'll see things. They'll know things. They'll know how to direct and what to do. Can, can I have your agreement? See, when I'm doing a marriage, I, I ask the wedding party, are you in agreement? Because if you're not, get off the stage. 
I'm not a pastor anymore, so I'm not here to entertain people, all right? So what I'm saying is I believe in the power of agreement. Or we're in agreement. Amen. I love you guys, and I'm so happy to be a part of your lives. So church, ministries, moms, dads, families, businesses, we're in agreement. Can you say amen? Amen. Now you need to expect it and know it shall come to pass. Can you say amen? Ushers, you'll serve the people. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Father. Extend your Lordship over this service, over this meeting. We lay aside all the cares of life and the weights and the distractions and anything that would come between us and you, Lord. We focus our attention. We submit ourselves to you. You are the potter. We are the clay. And giving you glory and grace and praise, which is your due, which you, O God, you are worthy of so much more. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, Lord. We so thankfully, we so thankfully appreciate that you minister now to us and feed us. Fill us up afresh with your Holy Spirit. Minister to us and through us that we might be fitted and prepared to minister to those around us, Lord. We bless you. We honor you for it. In Jesus' precious name. And they all said, Amen. 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 Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. Turn around, greet someone, shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck. Love on someone. Jesus is here. Love is here. Ask their name. Tell them yours. Introduce yourself. All right, now cut that out. (laughs) Come on, children. Let's quit playing. Put your toys back in the toy box. Come on. Some of you even back there trying to get coffee. Shame on you. Come on in here. Brother David Weeder sends his greetings. He's made it back to Fort Worth and he already misses us. He's such a blessing. I like him in his suit and tie. He kept asking me, he says, uh, you want me to wear the suit and tie, right? And I, I said, it's up to you what you wear, brother. You know, I mean, I'd prefer you, you don't wear a swimming suit and flop, flip-flops, but... <laughs> You know, we're, this, is, this is a family time. 
Well, I don't know. I just feel uncomfortable with an open collar. Oh, I love him. Praise the Lord. Amen. I can preach around a campfire or I can preach from a pulpit. The word of God's holy. Amen. And if I, I dress up, I ain't dressing up for you. I'm dressing up for the Lord or for her. That's it. Amen. I thought she'd say amen, but I, I didn't get even an amen out of that. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1 and read some of the, or at least one verse that we've been reading all week. Let's start here in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, with all spiritual blessings, all meaning all, spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I think we pretty well brought out the, the culture of the New Testament and how Paul even had to, had to distinguish between the blessings here and those in the afterlife or in, when we all get to heaven. And, you know, in Corinthians there, in 1 Corinthians 15, I remind you, he said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Which means the, the current disposition of the church at the time was the blessings are for now. Well, then that pendulum swang and we began to postpone blessings. Well, it's, it's both. It's not either or. It's both and. Amen. Heaven is a wonderful place. And, and I, you know, you ought not be afraid of going there. I have family there. Amen. It, it, it's really not that far away. It's just through this this veil of flesh. Heaven is not a geographical place way out beyond the last galaxy. And we think of Jesus seated at the right hand of God as being far away physically. He's, he, that, that throne's in this room. You know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand meant we have access to it. And, the, and men press into it means we can now operate in the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God includes earth and heaven. But the kingdom of heaven refers more specifically to what we would call the spirit realm. And God, God has, uh, in some manner, blessed us with his divine authority that what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. It's not the other way around. We Determine here things that happen there. In fact, faith itself, when we have hope as a blueprint, draws from that realm of the Spirit and brings it into this realm in manifestation or substance. So when we're blessed, that blessing may not be in the physical realm yet, but it, it still exists. It's as real as God is real. How many of you know God's love is real? Well, then what are you worried about, you know, a new pair of shoes or a new pair of clothes? Even Solomon was not dressed as fine as the lilies of the field, and we just cut them down and throw them in the furnace. How much more is he going to clothe you, O ye of little faith? See, he always tied faith to operating in these spiritual things or in this realm of the spirit uh, 
And if you read the book of Hebrews in, in one, one sitting, you'll find, and I'm just doing a little bit of review, that where Jesus, Paul very clearly says, all authority and power was put under Jesus' feet, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He's quoting Psalms 110, the most quoted Old Testament scripture in the new. Ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling. You had to be here. And, and so there's certainly something about Jesus being seated that is important if it's the most quoted verse. And Paul even repeats it and says, there is nothing left that is not put under his feet. It's all there. Jesus said, all power and authority has been given unto me. There's no other power. He's got it all. There is no other power. Jesus has all authority and power. And then Paul says this, and yet we don't see everything under his feet. We do not see it. Well, if you take that phrase and just keep moving through the book of Hebrews, you'll bump into one other, only one issue where you don't see it. And that's the very definition of faith. That faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if we really want to be contextual, faith is meant to appropriate that position of the throne. And the boldness I can say that is because according to Paul and according to Psalms 110, it encompasses everything. Because everything's under his feet. Well, faith then works for everything. Because... Everything's under his feet. But those things that are not seen, you don't, don't, don't just, just get it out of your mind that those things that are not seen happen to be, you know, like a new house, a new car. Those things are so small. The things that are not seen is the throne life. As we go back here now to, or not back, but forward or scroll over. I, keep, I wonder, every once in a while I hit my Bible and I try, to, I try to be able to see it bigger, but I can't. Preach from an iPad once and you're ruined, you know. But anyhow, down to verse, um, well, let's look at verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who what? See, faith is the link between this realm and that realm. It's the mode of operandi. It's how we see into that realm and how we bring from the realm of the Spirit into this realm. And it begins with this mighty power. In fact, it's the, the, the most explicit expression of God's power and exercise that you'll find in the Bible. Five different words are used here. See, it's everything is under Jesus' feet. There's nothing that's not under Jesus' feet. Yet we don't see all of that yet. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, what things you don't see, you know, is brought into reality through faith. Okay, just hold all that with, with you and we'll keep reading. That mighty power which he wrought in Christ 
when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. That's the same phrase from verse 3, where all our blessings are. See, him being seated is where all our blessings are. Are you following me? Your healing is tied to his being seated. Your, your debt cancellation is tied to his being seated. Your victory over the devil is tied to his being seated at the right hand of God. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Now, see, these things exist. Satan's world still operates. I don't have the time. I, I, I thought I'd get into it, and, and I don't know yet, but maybe we'll we'll a little bit tomorrow. But let me briefly share with you one of the kingdom parables Jesus taught that is often overlooked is the parable of the of the the the, the tares, they call it. T-A-R-E-S, which is a weed. And it's a very simple parable. The the parable is that the good the master sowed good seed into a good field. But while he slept, an enemy came and sowed weeds or tares into that field. And so as it began to grow up, the servants of the good master came and said, look, uh, uh, tares are growing amongst the good seed. Uh, And the good master says, and you need to get this, An enemy has done this. He did not say, well, you know, God is sovereign and he knows what he's doing. He did not say, well, God needs your little baby in heaven, obviously. He he did not say, you know, all things work together. He's done this. Amen. He said... An enemy has done this. Let them both grow together. Because if you pull up the tares, you're going to pull up the wheat. Do you understand if God judged the world right now that innocent people that are going to be saved tomorrow would be lost? Did you know in James chapter 5 that half of this problem of how long it's taking is because God is so doggone compassionate? He's more compassionate than Bob Hawk. And he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. But if he, if he judges Satan and Satan's kingdom now, well, he, you'll tear up the wheat with the tares. So he's going to wait to the fullness of time. And that when is that fullness of time? Well, what did Psalms 110 say? The Lord said to my Lord, sit down on my right hand until... Until I make mine enemies your footstool. You see, there's a process. This process of harvest is actually a process. You know, there's different metaphors to describe the same thing. Don't get confused by that. Did you know the, the body of Christ is described as a, as a wedding and a bride? It's also described as a building. Could be unflattering. <laughs> right? But it's just a simply a change of metaphor to describe something spiritual because you're describing color to a blind man. 
You, you have to find a way to express truth, right? So one aspect of expressing truth is a harvest. We're going to wait for the harvest. But another way through the book of Revelation, truth is you've got to overcome. And all through the book of Revelations, Jesus said it this way. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my father's throne. Amen. He said in 1 John, young men, you, you know, you've done well. You've, you've been filled with the word of God and you have overcome the wicked one. You see, there is a personal victory over the devil. But that personal victory over the devil will be accomplished by your faith in the, not just in the seating of Christ at the right hand of God, but in the fact that you're sitting there too. Amen. And to overcome is simply one more metaphor to express this amazing uh, 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 exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ, who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, but God exalted him. Did you know the Bible says God exalted him higher than the heavens? Well, that ought to redefine your whole idea of what heaven is. Heaven itself being a metaphor. I mean, heaven is a real place, but it's not a real physical place. It's a real spiritual place. I don't know, but what heaven's passing through here tonight. Amen. Amen. Uh, now, I don't want to get distracted because I could get off more into the, the parable of the terrors and, and end times. Because all of this does impact end times. Part of overcoming is preaching this gospel into all of the world. And then what will happen? Then the end will come. So obviously overcoming these enemies and putting them under Jesus' feet has something to do with the world evangelization and reaching out. Amen? So if we're in God's purposes and following God's plan, and, and you know, I mean, I'm sorry, church that doesn't have a missions program, amen? Uh, it, it's, it's incredible to me how quickly we allow simplicity to fade under the devil's deception. Paul, Paul warned about that. We got to just keep things simple. Amen. I always have enjoyed preaching in Bible schools in foreign countries. I try to keep it as simple as possible. One reason, because you're using a translator and you can't wax eloquent, you know, you can't give the three D's of ministry because it don't work, you know, and dear Lord, you can't tell jokes typically because they don't translate. So, so just don't, don't even try, right? But you can be simple, and I always like to be simple. I always start out with the Bible school students. God is good. Amen. The devil is bad. <laughs> Do you got it? All right, we've passed Theology 101. Let's move on to the next subject. But people really, they don't get it. They don't. And, 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 and they don't realize that there is an enemy. And that we must stand against them. Jesus is far above all principalities, powers, and might. Well, these things must mean something. But he is far above them. The question is, are you and I? And Paul addresses it in the book of Romans to the church in Rome. He, he said, look, shortly. That means there's a, a span of time yet. Shortly, God will crush Satan under your feet. 
See, there, there's a process. There's a fight to fight. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And a part of that is the patience of God and walking in his patience and understanding who you are seated at his right hand. Well, let's keep on. He said, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Names are powerful. And everything that you deal with has a name. Arthritis is a name. Yeah. Liver disease is a name. Yeah. Uh, sexual addiction is a name. And, and you can fight in the flesh and in the devil's arena, and he will beat you every time. But if you'll walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. If I, if I have time, I will get into that tomorrow. But, but it, we're, we're always dealing with a spiritual dyslexia where we read things backwards. And we think that if we put the flesh under and we can live holy long enough, we'll one day break through into the spirit. And we will then be spiritual. That's the whole holiness movement is based on that principle. And they used to make people take their jewelry off when they came to the altar to pray. Because you've got to overcome the flesh before you can be spiritual. But Paul said, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That means you have to you start and jump into the spirit as ugly as you are. You could even be stupid and walk in the spirit. You say, but... Uh, you mean I could walk in the spirit when I'm in sin? Yes. Or you could not repent because repentance is a spiritual act. Can you say the grace of God? Amen. Turn with me to Hebrews 2. Well, no, hold on. We've got we to gotta finish one other thing here. Let's keep reading. So we're far above all principality, every name that is named, verse 22, and he put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now we go into the metaphor of a body. Who's our head? Jesus. Jesus. All right. So he's the head. One version says for the benefit of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And then he goes on to discuss some of these issues of, of, of satanic power and how you were dead in sin, and he brought us to life. Let's go down to four. But God who's rich in mercy, oh, but God who's rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he gave us life, he quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and he raised us up together. When Jesus was raised from the dead, so was the body. You're a part of that body. Jesus raised us up together, and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, here we have the, the consummation of what we talked about last night in that principle of being in him. Or identification. Identification 
the law of identification is, is what enabled Jesus to take our sins on the cross and receive the load, or the weight, the guilt, the punishment, the debt, all of these different aspects of justice in one act of intercession. Isaiah 53 called his act on the cross an act of intercession. And by doing that, he took all of that sin. Paul says, what? He was made to be sin for us that we who knew no righteousness might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, what he bore for us, we were then able to participate in all that he is. And 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, you know, in him, we're wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. All these things because we're in him. And how did we get in him? The same way you got in Adam. You were born in Adam. The same way Levi got in Abraham. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, and Paul says in Hebrews that Levi paid tithes to Melchizedek because he was in Abraham. Well, you were in Adam, I was in Adam, and all the consequences of Adam's sin came down upon the human line. Amen. But Jesus came and received all of that and canceled it all the way back to himself because he's the creator. That even as I'm a son of Adam and I receive his sin, now I can get past my head that used to be Adam to the son of God. And we see the son of God in the lineage in the book of Luke. So just as I'm in Adam, now with that sin being destroyed, I can go all the way back to the top. There's no longer a breach. I now have my daddy's hair. I now have my daddy's eyes. Amen. I now have my daddy's righteousness. I now have my ancestors' wisdom. It's mine. But you've got to receive it by faith. You've got to reach into the realm of the Spirit because we're now seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Turn now with me to Hebrews 2. And this is really where this whole theme, this whole week exploded in my spirit off of this one verse, ministering to the Lord and meditating. Um, look here in Hebrews for, for uh, well, we'll start in verse 15. Well, in fact, let's back up to 14 because it applies to so much of what Pastor David has preached, what David Weeder has preached, what others have talked about. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Who, who is that high priest? Come on, I got two people in here that know who it was. Three people know who it was. Who's the high priest? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. He has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, that doesn't mean if you're a butcher, stay a butcher. It's not that kind of profession. It's you go. It's what you say. Hold fast to what you say. Why? Because you go to a priest with words. You, when you confess God's word, you're not just talking into empty space. If you are, that's your problem. I'm, I am speaking with my high priest. Amen. Well, he, he, he's, 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 he's near. He's easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities. 
Verse 15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. It's a double negative in the Greek. It means he can be touched. We have a high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So yes, you can go to the throne after you killed a man. You can go to the throne after you committed adultery. David did in both cases. You can go to the throne being backslid. You can go to the throne stoned high as a kite, playing a drum in a homosexual bar down in Louisiana. And a friend of ours did and got right with God right there. You just go. Why? Because the blood's been shed. And I was meditating on this. And when you sin, I'd go to the Lord. Don't you? Thank God. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, it's just faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that means? It means we just need to keep and hold fast to our profession, come to our high priest and confess our wrongs. I've been in unforgiveness. Forgive me, Lord. He's faithful and just. Faithful means he will forgive you every time. 700 and how many? Yeah. 490. Thank you for the math here. He said he could do the numbers. You can't do the numbers. He's faithful. He will do it every time. You can't wear him out. Amen. Don't ever get tired of repenting. Somebody told my cousin one time, you're a, you're a lousy sinner. And he started laughing. He said, you know, I am a lousy sinner because I sin and five minutes later I repent. I'm not good at it. <laughs> I, I like that. I'm a lousy sinner. So no, he's faithful. He will forgive you every time. And he's just. Amen. That means this is the right thing to do. Amen. The blood cleanses me. The blood. Thank God for the blood. Amen. Well, so we come boldly to the throne of grace when we have sinned. Boldly. Say boldly. boldly. And we, we, we don't crawl in. We don't whine. We go boldly. Oops, I did it again. Amen. And we go and we receive what? Mercy and grace. To help in our time of need. And I'm meditating on this. And, I, and, 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 and the Lord began to deal with me. And, I, and it blew my mind. I never thought about it. And I love it when you meditate and the Holy Ghost gets involved and he takes you beyond yourself. Yes. So the Lord just simply asked me, well, then where do you go? And I saw myself leaving the throne room and going out on the mission field. Leaving the throne room and going out to, to, to the church. And, and, I, and I got this sweeping impression of the Holy Ghost, how wrong I was. And all of a sudden I saw myself take two or three steps closer to him. Got up by the throne, turned around and sat down where I belonged. 
I'd never seen that before in my whole life. We're seated with him in heavenly places. The reason I wasn't in the throne room is because I'd sinned. Yeah. Go to John 15 and, and read about the vine. You'll, you'll find out what sin will do. It doesn't cost you your place in eternity. It costs heaven's place in you when you sin. You still go to heaven. God will, God will figure out through grace. I mean, it, I, I, don't, I believe you can lose your salvation. I just don't think it's that easy to do so. But I'll tell you what you can lose easy. His peace. His place in you. His heaven in you. Oh, you want that back. One nice thing you always can know if you're dealing with a backslidden believer is they're miserable. And I'll be honest, that's one way I pray. I said, Lord, I thank you, Lord, they're eating pig slop. Make them miserable. Katy Perry is just the most miserable singer on the planet Earth. But she's coming back. Come back, Katy. I pray for every time I hear her music in the grocery store or some restaurant. Katie Hudson, you come back to Jesus. That's her real name. Pray for her with her real name, Katie Hudson. Glory to God the day she gets up there and proclaims the Jesus she knows and loves. I prayed for her one time. My wife and I were with her parents, and she called on the phone. And Daddy started crying and said, here, we're with a pastor. He'll pray for you. And gave me the phone. Her dear friend was in intensive care. Here, here she's in the height of all of her money and all of this stuff. And what does she do when someone she loves in intensive care? She cries out to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, when you get in the throne room boldly, doesn't matter how much sin's on you, you'll find grace and mercy in your time of need. But then, friends, I just want to challenge you. Don't leave. Don't leave. Walk up and sit down where you belong. Amen. Be, be seated with him in heavenly places. See, the, the point in this, and I began to see it, it cha it's changing my prayer life. What do you do seated on a king's throne? You, you rule. You make judgments. You, you make decrees. You declare things. Amen. Sounds a whole lot like intercession to me. Just give you a little taste. Go over to Psalms 149. We're, we'll see just a little taste. And you'll understand none of this is new. As, as, as Zachary was saying, how it's all, none of it's new. It's just immensely interesting how it's all woven together. Psalms 149, are you there yet? You can look at it in your iPad on any version you want. But of course, the King James is the best one. I love, I love sitting and talking to my son, especially, well, anyone about the things of God, but it's especially fun to jockey things around with my son. And... Uh, one of these days, I'm going to write an article on why I believe the King James is, is the best Bible you should use as a baseline. It's not the best Bible. 
But I do believe it's the best Bible you should use because there's more references that point to it and more books and more hundreds and hundreds of years of study that are linked to its words. And if you don't use it, you lose all that. You can do that if you want. But see, I'll use the King James as the baseline and then about 15 other versions. <laughs> you know, I read them all. If you're not going to read them all, you're just lazy. The Bible says, especially for us as ministers, we ought to be workmen. You know, and uh, anyhow, I, that, I, that's for free. We won't take another offering. But verse five, let the saints be joyful in glory. Yeah, yeah. Toot, toot. Oh, 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 it's spreading. Okay, a few of you are getting it. Yeah, amen. My, my, skin, my skin might be white. I might be a cracker up here, but you ought to know how to act. Come on. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Yeah. Let, now, here's where it's interesting. Let them sing aloud upon their beds is the inference that this is at their lowest moment of sickness. So, so he's talking about what to do when, it, when you're down. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And a two-edged sword in their hand. Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist like Bob to know he's probably talking about the word of God there. Right? To do what? To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the judgment, what? Written. Now this is the part you need to underline. It's in red, underlined in red in my Bible. This honor have all his saints. Why? Because we're all seated with him. We're all seated with him in heavenly places. So he's pretty clear here about certain elements that we use seated on the throne or what one might call the throne life of the believer. And the first is praise. I, I, I heard Kenneth Hagin preach it years ago. I've, I stole it. And I've preached it and I believe it. I've lived it. I have experienced it. And I'm pretty sure David would say I'm right. That praise is the highest form of faith. Amen. Amen. I like Norval Hayes was mentioned. I remember Norval used to always say faith is when you can praise God before you see it. Faith is when you can thank God for it before you see it. Praise God. Let the saints be joyful in glory, even when they're laying on their bed. Even, even when they have a, a, a diagnosis of liver disease. Yeah. E even, even when they, they, they don't know what to do. I remember when uh, God sent me to Romania and we supernaturally found Gene Olin, who'd been beaten over the head with a board. And he, here I got him out of the area and we got him into a... A, a room for one night and I had to I had to take him in the shower myself and he, he was completely without a mind and I put him to bed and he's laying there he was actually crying because he was he, he was scared he, he was like a little child he didn't know where he was or who I was and you know the only thing I could do 
Well, the only thing I could do was praise. I got in the middle of the room and I raised my hands. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Where am I? I'm at the right hand of God. And all power and all authority is under my feet. Amen. Praise is the highest form of faith. Well, that, but then it, there's more. He goes on and talks about more. Let the, let the two-edged sword be in his mouth. Well, didn't Jesus face the devil and say, it is written? Amen. I, I think Pastor David preached this too. You, you need a Bible verse. Go run and get you a verse to stand on. Well, I'm believing for this. Well, what's your verse you're standing on? Oh, yeah, you know, we just believe it's going to work out. Yeah, well, work that out somehow. Go get a verse. Go, you know, you're struggling financially. Go get Philippians 4.19 and beat the devil in the head with it. Amen. Like I told Bob many times, I open my Bible and Philippians 4.19 is still there. When there's a white space and, and it's gone, then I'll worry. But until then, my needs are met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. He's under my feet because I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Amen. Now, it gets even wilder. Because that's, that's sort of the, this is, my, this is your honor, by the way. That means it's your privilege. You get to do this. So I said, why doesn't God help me? Because he's sitting there scratching his head saying, how much more do I got to give him? I gave him, I gave him all my power. I've given him all my authority. He wants me to do it. Hey, Moses, what's that in your hand? Oh, yeah, forgot about that. <laughs> Stretched it out and he split the Red Sea. It's in his hand the whole time. Yeah. Amen. Uh-huh. Well, what's that in your hand? The word of God. Amen. Amen. The word of God. And so, so it's an honor. But, but that's just what we get to do. We get, you know, I, that's another thing I remember Norville saying. He says, I'm worried about the millennium. I'm wondering, you know, all the devils are going to be locked up for a thousand years. Isn't that going to get a little boring? <laughs> I liked Norval. Amen. For those of you that never knew who Norval was, he look up the word wild. They put his photo there. Norval was wild. Amen. But we've got other things here. Binding is here. Bind up the devil. No, you don't. I remember David mentions uh, Dr. Ken Stewart. In 1983, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I went moved down there to go to Ramah, but I went early to get a job in the summer. And Ken Stewart started a church. So I started going to Ken Stewart's church. And uh, he had a children's minister by the name of... Uh, Willie George. But when you went to the church, which was a strip mall, you know, the storefront, you had to go buy a porn theater. It was right in the same plaza. And he didn't like that. So every morning before we would start the worship, 
he'd make the whole congregation turn that way. It was over there. Point. And we'd all curse that thing. And it burned down. I'm not kidding you. It burned down. I thought, dear Lord, don't point at me. I wonder how much power we have that we haven't used. Amen. And, uh, but it, it, it gets even, even greater than this. Let's go back to Ephesians 1. <clears throat> because not only, well, let's, let's read it again. Verse, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. <clears throat> God is Lord of all, including time. See, we're in him. And it's all through the Bible if you look through it for it. Brother, brother Pastor Jonathan began his message by having us pray with him the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer would be John 17, but the, the, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Do you know how it starts? Whose? Not mine? Not my father? Who, whose father? You can't pray the Lord's Prayer without being conscious of the body of Christ. We are in him. I mean, you begin to see it even in what I just quoted to you, Philippians 4.19. My God will supply your need. It doesn't say my God will supply all my need. You're not quoting it right. Paul wasn't talking about himself. He was exercising his faith for the same body that happened to be in another city. Amen. I mean, he also talked about it on the, not just in the side of provision, but in the side of sin. Don't you remember in the book of Galatians chapter uh, five, when, when he says, you know, walk in love towards one another. Be careful because if you bite and devour one another, you, you end up devouring yourself. You don't want to do that. You take a bite out of me, you're just biting yourself. You don't want to do that. Amen. You know, there's that, that old, I don't know if it's an Aesop's fable or it was an, it was an old fable of the, the, little, the little boy that killed the dragon when all the brave knights were, the dragon killed them all. But he was wise. And this dragon had killed all these knights and I suppose he captured some pretty princess and had piles of gold, you know, who knows. But the little boy goes up and the dragon's tail was long and sharp like a spear. So he just took the dragon's tail and stuck it in his mouth. And the dragon, you know, thought he'd been, you know, hit with a spear. So he bit down on his tail and it hurt more. And so he bit again and bit again until he gobbled himself up and disappeared. <laughs> the worm Arubarus. Okay. Yeah, you can look it up. Anyhow, you say, what's that got to do with the Bible? I kind of think it influenced Paul. Don't bite on the body of Christ. You're, just gonna, you're gonna eat up the body of Christ. Yeah. 
even then you begin to learn that you can go boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace for somebody else. Isn't that what it says in 1 John? If you see your brother in, in a sin, you go to the Father and ask life. There is some sin, he said, that you, you, you can't deal with. You can't do it. But in many, many cases, you see a backslidden brother? Why don't you go boldly to the throne? Well, by the way, you're already sitting there. Ask life. And God will give him life. I, I spent some hours one night that prompted by the Holy Spirit. And, I, and, and I, there was a backslidden man in the church. And his wife was crying over him. He disappeared. He'd gone out. Whoring around, just prompted, and uh, he 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 was out in the flesh, and the Lord one night just prompted me out of the blue to stay up all night and pray for him, and I got on my face and prayed in tongues and groaned in the spirit. If you don't know what that's all about, see my wife; she'll teach you. And uh, and it was about three in the morning. I mean, it was in the middle of the the night. The phone rings, and I pick it up, and it's him. I'd just ask God to give him life. Well, see, when, he, when, when God gives him life, well, now he's convicted. Now all this, this, this that he, he knows, the Holy Ghost reminds him of everything he's heard. All that comes pouring up into his mind from his spirit. He, he called me in the middle of the night. Boy, that's exciting to have an instant answer to prayer. Wow. Amen. But... but Part of that is that, that intercessory role of throne life. Well, I, I think it's one of the premier aspects. First, we would have that high priestly role on the throne. But Jesus also is our intercessor. Well, see, we're identified because we're in him. You're, uh, this is a, he's the high priest, but the, we are a kingdom of what? Priests. Priest. See, we deal with the temple service. It's another thing the Lord dealt with me about. You know, the, 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 the temple was destroyed. Zachary went over that today too. Nehemiah rebuilt it, but then that was destroyed. And everybody's waiting for another one to be built. But it's already been built. Jesus said, destroy this temple and I'll, I'll raise it up in three days. Well, did he raise four? The, well, then there is a temple. And, and again, here's another metaphor. The temple is a metaphor of the body of Christ. We are the temple. Amen. And if you read the book of Hebrews, you know, what is it describing? A temple. Somebody says, well, that, yeah, but that's the temple in heaven. Gotcha. Where are you? <laughs> Hebrews is just describing the, 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 the church as a temple and the role Jesus plays. I mean, we go back and forth in this from, from earth to the spirit. You're as much in the heavenlies as you are in the natural. Yeah. Amen. Now, you're bold to go into that throne room and receive mercy and grace. Learn to be bold to stand in who you are when you sit down at the right hand of the Father. You're a kingdom of priests. We ask life for these. We, we evangelize. We share the gospel. We receive tithes, but we turn it there. He receives them. Amen. The whole temple life is the life of the church. And 
it encompasses all of time. All those blessings have been prepared from the foundation of the world. See, see here, it's what it says in Ephesians verse chapter 1. Let's look. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as we seated at his right hand, we're in him. When? Before the foundation of the world. Go over to 2 Timothy. I find some of the greatest comfort in what I'm going to teach you or remind you, most of you, because you've heard me teach this before or according to Bob, it's probably been festering in you. Second Timothy one verse nine, he saved us. Anybody in here saved? Do you know where and when? Amen. He saved us. He called us. Did you know you're called? Well, if you prayed the prayer in Ephesians 1, you know your call and you have hope to do it. Hopeless people have not prayed to find out what their call in life is. If you know your call, it genders hope. All right. And he's called you with a holy calling, not according to our works. It's not according to your IQ. It's according to his purpose and grace, which was given us where? In Christ Jesus, not by Christ Jesus. It was, Jesus isn't the one who gave it to us. It was given to us as part of our being in Christ. Being in Christ means there's purpose in the, the place we stand. Everything about you is about purpose. There's no act. There's not a parent in here that could look at their little newborn baby and say this is an accident. Amen. Before the world began. See, God knew your name before the world began. God knew everything about you. I still remember the day I was driving into when God gave me this personal revelation. I mean, this illumination uh, of this point. I was driving into Washington, D.C. to teach a Bible study three blocks from the Capitol building, and it's hard to get parking. And often I would park sometimes a mile away and walk because it was just easier. But then I, I got mad about that, and I would start praying when I left Pennsylvania. And, I mean, I'm praying to get a parking spot, you know. And uh, then I got good at it, and I just made sure, you know, the ring road around D.C., that's when I'd start praying. And I'd get my parking spot. I mean, when, you get, when it's a question of walking a mile or, you know. Well, this one day I was driving in to teach this, this Bible study. Uh, I forgot to pray. I don't know what it was. And I literally pulled up to the light. I'm going to pull up to this light. There was this little Korean grocery store on the left. And I'm going to turn right. And it's about, you know, half a block. And that's where the house is. And I made a red light, and I realized, ah, I forgot to pray. And, I, and just out of your gut, you know, it just kind of come up without thinking, quick, Lord, you got 30 seconds to get me a parking spot. <laughs> and then it hit me, and I started laughing. He knew about this for eternity. 
Before he said, let there be light, he said, oh, yeah, and Dale's going to need a parking spot. Yeah. And I just saw it with so much faith. Before your problem existed, he's had an eternity to work on an answer. And it's all in Christ. All of it. And I just started shouting praise, high praise, and laughing at myself. The light turned green. I turned right, and a guy pulled out, and I parked right in front of the house. I mean, I was looking right at the door, and I'm sitting there just laughing and basking in the presence of God because I realized before the world began, he loves you so much he knew you needed a parking spot. Oh, glory to God. I want to tell you a story. Because you're in him too. Right? We're all in him. And we're all a part of his heritage. And we're all fulfilling his purposes. Whether you know it or not. Which is a joy. I don't know which one. I was going to tell you the story of two people. I'll tell you the, I'll, first I'll tell you the story of Karen. Karen was, is an Armenian. And uh, some years ago, he went to an accounting school in uh, Yerevan, Armenia. And he met a pretty girl and he married her. And she she uh, gave, her, gave him a couple kids. And, uh, but something terrible happened there after they started having kids. She started hanging around these Protestants. And, of course, he knew that was wrong because he's Armenian Orthodox. And, he, and she's, she's in a cult, <laughs> talk, talking about Jesus all the time, praying in these funny languages. And for some reason, she wants to go out all the time to these meetings. And he, he got mad. He didn't like it. made life. And uh, he never physically abused her. But he made life rough. And he was uh, not happy because she was thumbing her nose at God and the true church and uh, Armenian heritage. And then, then, thank God, he had a break in his career. And he got hired by the World Bank. And they're going to move to Washington, D.C., and uh, can you imagine what a dream to go from Yerevan, Armenia to Washington, D.C., the power center of the world and the banking industry to work for the World Bank. So they bundled up the family and moved to Washington, D.C., making more money than he's ever dreamed, working in the World Bank. Three months later, he starts noticing symptoms. Goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, you have terminal cancer. It's already spread probably beyond what we can operate. The x-rays had cancer from up here all the way through his body. Well, uh, that went for a few days, but for some reason, his wife began 
to make sense. And he began to listen to her. And uh, he, he began to cry out to God. And he began to get worse. He's dying. But you begin to think about life and what's on the other side and all those things, right? And his wife leads him in a simple prayer. Karen, do you believe God raised Jesus from the dead? Yeah, I do. Then let's pray this. It's here in the Bible. And he prayed a sinner's prayer. You all remember what, what Paul said, right? And he confessed Jesus as the Lord of his life. And he got born again. Well, now, for some weird reason, his wife made more sense. <laughs> and one night, as he's now living at home, preparing to die, they find out that the church that she had attended in Yerevan, Armenia, was having a special meeting, and they were going to live stream it. So they stayed up all night till sometime in the middle of the night to be able to listen to this American preacher. And uh, he was a hick from the sticks. His wife was sitting on the front row and their son. He'd preached there several times before and he was kind of surprised that the Lord had him preach a sermon he'd preached before. And he argued with God about it. But the Lord had him preach a message he'd preached many places called Papa Skazal, <laughs> which means Daddy said. And he taught about the woman with the issue of blood. And he taught about the things Jesus didn't say. Jesus did not say, God healed you. Jesus did not say, I healed you. Jesus didn't even say, the anointing healed you. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. And then he preached about Paul uh, who, who went to Galatia. And there was a man there who had never walked. And that man looked at Paul. And Paul looked at him. And Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. But he still wasn't healed. It says very clearly he had faith to be healed, but he was still sitting in his problem. And so Paul said, stand up! And the man jumped up and he leaped and he walked. And Corinne on his couch, wrapped up in a sheet near death's door, jumped up and said, I'm healed and fell over dead. And his wife rolled him over, crying on top of his chest, praying in tongues as loud as she could. And after a few minutes, he sneezed and came back alive. He went to the doctor the next day, and they took x-rays. And the doctor said, we, do, we don't understand it. But all the cancer is gone, except for this little button. And they went in. It's as if it shrank to one spot. 
and they went in and took it out. Well, that was, when was this? Over 10 years ago. So Karen is now a spirit-filled believer working at the World Bank. Let me tell you another story. Well, let me tell you another story. Right around that same time, about a year later, there's a woman named Anna. Y'all mind if I tell you stories? I know you're word people, but the word's in this. Right? You give me five minutes. I got enough. Let me tell you about Anna. Anna was a pastor's wife. A good pastor's wife, not really even a pastor's wife, a lay preacher. And her husband broke with tradition because in her church and in her country, pastors don't become politicians. But this was Ukraine, and Ukraine was changing, and her husband decided to get into politics. So he fought into politics, and of course the church fought him. And uh, she followed along with him, and he rose in politics with the nickname the Bloody Pastor, because they blamed him for the deaths of different people. Well, things were happening, and he rose up and became quite effective and was appointed to be what we would call the Speaker of the House, the Speaker of the Parliament. And at that time, according to Ukraine law, the law of secession, if the president fails, the Speaker of the House becomes the president. Well, there was a Revolt, a revolution of dignity, and millions of people went to the square in Ukraine. And the Russian puppet president, Yanukovych, ran away. So overnight, Anna's husband, Mr. Turchinov, became president. Ladies, can you imagine that? One day you're a pastor's wife and then you're a politician's wife and then you wake up one morning and you're the wife of a president. Sounds like a Netflix TV series, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So one day, Anna, I mean, the, the, the government is now being run by her husband and everything is in chaos. And, uh, the president comes to her, her husband, says, I I got a request to meet with an American pastor. Can you believe it? There's an American pastor here who said God sent him to meet with me. But Anna, the Russians have kidnapped an admiral in Crimea, and I need to deal with that. So go find out what this crazy American, you know, it's a, don't waste my time, but go find out what he wants and report back to me. So she goes to meet this American. He's a stick or a hick from the sticks. And they sit down in a cafe. She says, I, I'll tell my husband everything you tell me. I work for him. He lives in his office. 
I only see him an hour a day, but I promise I'll faithfully tell him everything you tell me. You have five minutes. <laughs> well, this American looks her in the eyes and he begins to tell her what God had told him. And uh, the power of God fills the room. And Anna forgets that she's a president's wife. Talking to a pastor, that must seem comfortable. You can trust pastors, and he seems like a nice guy. She began to talk like a pastor's wife. So she began to cry and to talk about the problems they were facing. When the president Yanukovych ran away, he destroyed all the papers. All of the military, all the top generals were Russians. They all disappeared. We know we have weapons. We know we have ammo, but we don't even know what warehouse or what city. We don't even have the keys to the cars, so we have to use our own vehicles. They shredded all the paperwork. We don't even have phone numbers for emergencies. We don't have even the phone numbers to call our own embassies. And uh, this surprised the American because he was pretty naive and probably you could say he was a little stupid. <laughs> then she said, and the World Bank, we're pretty sure that someone in the World Bank has made a decision to destroy us economically so that Russia will win. We don't know who to talk to. And the American, he said, well, Mrs. President, I don't really know his job, but I know someone that works in the World Bank. Would you like me to talk to him? Oh, yes, please. Anything you could do would be wonderful. So the American, when, uh, when other conversations ended, went back to his apartment that he was living in and got on his computer, on Skype, and he called Karen. It was late at night in Ukraine, so it was morning in D.C., and Karen had just gotten into his office. And he turned on the Skype and he said, Pastor Dale, so glad to see you. Where are you? And the American said, I'm in Ukraine. And Karen says, what? <laughs> Pastor, I came in this morning and there was a note on my desk to go to the president's office, the president of the World Bank. I just came back from his office. I went to his office and he gave me a large folio of paperwork and put me in charge of Ukraine. <laughs> Did you know we're in him? Did you know we're in him? The man that fulfilling his purpose. 
We're in him. You have a purpose. That's why you can't die. Oh, I want to be healed to get rid of my pain. How about, how about I want to be healed so I can do the work of God? Because there's been weeds sown in your life. And they want to pull up the wheat. An enemy has done this. Amen. You see, before the beginning of the world, it's really pretty simple for God. He, he saw this one conflagration and how it was coming together. And he just planned all of these miracles. We'll bring this guy from Armenia. We'll get him a promotion that he doesn't even know how he got the job. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> and we'll bring him to D.C., Oh, we got to put him back. Wait a minute. We got to make sure he's born again before we bring him. Oh, let's just get his wife saved. She'll work on him. Now we'll bring him. Are y'all following me? I mean, God had to have fun doing this. All of these things that just seem to fall into place is because they've already fallen into place. And we're in him. See, that's why faith reaches into the realm of the spirit. And pulls out what's already prepared. That's why I'm quite sure tomorrow Pastor David will elaborate on this. That's why you have to have a word from the Lord. You don't believe God for a house here because God might want to move you to Hawaii. I'm going to. <laughs> here am I, send me. <laughs> Sorry, David, you're back to senior pastor. Yeah, you lost that one. <laughs> well, we see his level of commitment. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Throne rights is a part of your, this honor have all his saints. You see, that's an honor. God has a plan for your life that requires you to be far above all principalities and powers to fulfill it. God has a plan for your life that requires you to overcome so you can fulfill it. Satan's plan and these principalities and powers still exist. These tares, the weeds, they still exist. They need to be subdued. They need to be rooted out. They need to be overcome. There is a personal victory over the devil. That's why faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Your faith appropriates your life. Your faith appropriates the road that you walk on. Your faith appropriates the provision, the apple tree that you pick while you walk on the road of God's purpose. I don't know why I'm saying this because it's way off. It's not off subject, but it's way off my, my, my train of thought. Somebody must need this. The closer you get to your purpose the more you'll see a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. See, 
My purpose was obviously somehow tied up with Karen and the, and the president's wife. And there was a manifestation of the working of miracles that I'd preach the right sermon thousands of miles away that he would get through live stream and she'd raise him up. See, all, all of those miracles, do you see how they're tied to purpose? It's just not planned. And as you get close to your purpose, you can depend on the supernatural to, to seal these things. Because you're, you're supposed to be there. I've often told Gene Olin's testimony of, of interceding in Romania. It, it, it's an incredible testimony of God's provision or preparation. He had taken three, two intercessors from CBN, two women, on a mission trip to Romania back in the 90s when it was rough. And they, they would go to churches and teach on intercession and intercede. And they'd visited many, and it was time to go home because they were out of money. That's a, one of the ways, the laws of missions. <laughs> and... Uh, They got to the place where they needed to get back to Bucharest to fly back to the U.S. And the only way back was by train. So the two ladies stayed at the hotel, and he said, I'll go to the train station and buy three tickets back to Bucharest. And that'll basically use up all our money. So, you know, this is it. So he goes to the train station, and he's in the line to buy the tickets back to Bucharest, and he's praying in tongues. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to him. Don't go to Bucharest. Go the other direction. Further away to some other church. I don't remember which one. An all-night train ride. Well, he had enough money to do that. But now, Lord, if I do that, we're, all, we're even further from the capital. And I ain't got no money now. But the Lord said, buy the ticket. So what are you going to do? What does it take to this next step of his? What is that step? Yeah. Say, say it again. See, your purposes aren't just going to fall on you. There is a fight of faith. There is an enemy you have to overcome. Sometimes it's your worry and your care. But the Lord gave him instructions and he was obedient, so he bought the tickets for the three of them. He went back to the hotel. They weren't as excited as he was. <laughs> but they're locked in. You know, what are you going to do? So they get on the train, all-night train. They end up in the next city. They get up in the morning, and Gene is a good Boy Scout, so he's cleaning up the compartment. And he looks under the seat where he'd been, and way back in the cobwebs, was a, a ball about this big of a brown paper bag all scrunched up and covered with cobwebs. It's not his, but, but he's a Christian. So he takes a pen and he fishes it out and he picks it up. He's going to throw it out. So he goes out in a hall. To, there's a trash bin at the end of every hall. And, and, he, and he gets to the trash with this ball of garbage and he has good old Pennsylvania curiosity. What's in it? So he opens it up, and there's a wad of nine $100 bills. 
underneath his seat on his train. Where does that come from? I'll tell you where. Before the foundation of the world, God said, oh, yeah, hey, Gabe, don't forget. Make sure there's 900 bucks <laughs> underneath that seat. See, there, there might be a miracle under your seat, but you better be in the right seat. <laughs> I'm going to do that one day. I, I am going to do that one day. That just would be fun. But do you understand what I'm saying? You have to be in the right seat. Oh, it's an old Pentecostal sermon about the prophet, and God told him to go down to the brook Cherith, and I will feed you. Where? See, I don't care how much faith you have. You could go to the wrong river and starve. Amen. Some of us have experience at that. <laughs> right? But your purposes linked up with knowing that I'm in him and underneath my feet, every principality, all the problems, every name, where? Underneath my feet. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of that tonight? Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unhook there and have... A wonderful time tomorrow night laying hands on everybody. That's why we bought oil. I was really disappointed in Deb. It's not the size I was asking for. There's a bigger size. It's, it's, but we'll work with that one. Where's Deb at? God bless you, Deb. We'll work with it. We'll ask God to expand it. But we're going we're gonna to have an anointing service tomorrow night. Anybody want to be anointed? You know, Bob will slather. I will anoint. We got that other word. Y'all looking at me like. Stand up on it. Was it good? Did it feed your faith? Because if it fed your faith, you'll tap into it. You'll tap into it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're over all of your problems. Amen. Let's, let's put our foot on the head of the devil, no matter what it is. Amen. I like looking at David because he's always got his foot on the devil's head. Amen. Maybe tomorrow night we'll check for, we'll show the shoes, the heels. We'll see how much squishy we got on there. Because we've been, we've been stomping on the devil. Amen. Lord God bless the people. Father, I thank you for opening up as Pastor Jonathan taught so well. The, 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 the enlightening our eyes and renewing our minds so that we can behold the glory. And as we behold the glory, be renewed. And from glory to glory, from, from this image that as we see Jesus, we will be like him. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, is Lord. <laughs>